I believe in inspiring people to be the person they aspire to be by doing the things they aspire to do. This podcast is an additional platform to help me do just that. I know a lot, I've done a lot, and I do a lot. By sharing my experience with you all, be the highlight of my day. I will also have family, friends, and colleagues share their knowledge and experiences with me. You think you know me, but you don't know the half. Welcome to Vail's World. It's the team. What's up, what's up, what it do, what it do, man? It is another episode. I'm getting a hang of this. Uh, what's happening, everybody? It's your boy, Vail. Welcome to another episode of Vail's World. For those that don't know, make sure y'all follow me on Instagram and Twitter at LDMonger1. Feel free to send me an email at contactLDMonger.com. Now let's get the show started. So, y'all know I'm going to start off with a good read. And today's good read is The Art of Doing Less. One Entrepreneur's Formula for a Beautiful Life by Ari Musel. At the peak of his career and success, Ari Musel nearly killed himself from exhaustion and overwork. He had to make a choice. He could let his success destroy him physically and mentally, or he could find a better way to live. He spent the next few years redesigning his life from scratch. Ultimately, he found a way to reduce his workload by 80%. Yes, 80%. While actually increasing his results and success. Furthermore, he could spend time on what matters the most. His family. Using measles' revolutionary, optimize, automate, outsource approach, you will learn how to take almost anything you do and make it work smarter instead of harder. Modern methods like the 80-20 rule, the three Ds, and multi-platform repurposing let you build a high-powered, traditional-style success factory that only requires one employee to run. Less work, more results, more happiness. Now, if anyone knows my life and how hectic it can get, you probably understand why I was interested in this book. The title alone was um, eye-catching. Again, this year has really been about personal development, financial development, and business development for me. Um, So maneuvering all the multifaceted things that I do, I needed something of this caliber to kind of assist me with how do I organize my life and making sure that I'm getting things done. Um, One of the biggest things that I got out of this book was the repurposing and, and delegation. So knowing that I don't have to do everything and there's easier ways to get a lot of things done, right? So, you know, investing in CRMs, 
um, which allows you to communicate with clients, have information internal, send automated emails and things of that nature so that you know, myself or my other business partners don't necessarily have to be the individual sending these emails and having to track all of this information. Um, being able to make the booking process a lot easier, being able to have frequently asked questions so that if clients were to get confused, they can find something to fall back on. Um, simple things of not checking my email every hour or every five minutes, um, being able to do things like utilize um, USPS system where they send you emails with all of the mail that you have. So you won't necessarily have to check the mail every day. Uh, I'm a, you know, since I tr you know did this method, I usually check the mail once a week and just grab it unless I'm looking for, you know, unless I'm expecting a package or some type of special mail. And then I have the, you know, I have the email that I can look through all those things. Um, I also have a automatic, um, little helper. So every morning at five o'clock, Google sends me an email that shows me all the things that I have to do for the day. Um, so that helps out a lot. So I already, I'm already programmed and knowing, okay, this is what I have to accomplish. And then being able to prioritize those things, figuring out what needs to be done first, what can wait, um, what's important. Like those things help me get through my day. So that's, you know, really what got me into this book. Um, I suggest anyone that has multiple things that's going on with their lives uh, that they're trying to balance and will juggle. And then they're trying to balance. This book is, is way beyond helpful on so many different levels. So for those entrepreneurs, for those hustlers, for those that's working a nine to five, got a side hustle, or those uh, individuals that got kids, um, or family members that they want to support, but they you know find themselves too tied into their work, this book will help you figure out what does doing less look like uh, for an individual that want to continue to perform at a high, very high uh, performing rate. So yeah, that was dope, man. That's my good read. Um, the Art of Doing Less, One Entrepreneur's Formula for a Beautiful Life by Ari Musel. Y'all know I'll be messing up names, so if he hear this, I, I, I hope he can correct me and don't take offense. Charge it. Charge it to my my um my accent. <laughs> don't charge it to my heart. Please. All right. So now we're going to go into what's popping. So for some odd reason, hold on, I'm trying to do something. Multitask. Well, if it die, die. For some odd reason, Birkin has been on the tip of everyone's tongue. <laughs> um, so for those you know, regular people like myself. Um, Birkin might not be for me. A Birkin bag, purchasing a Birkin bag for um, a significant other might not be for me. Um, 
But you know, it's it's a nice little Aldo bag or you know, nice little coach. You know, there's affordable options out there for us regular people. Um, so having in the you know, seeing individuals argue about a Birkin bag, um, when you don't even make you know forty thousand, you know, on salary, it sounds kind of irresponsible to spend that much money on a bag. Um, as it pertains to income to debt ratio. So I would highly suggest those individuals that's like being, um, how do I say this? Idolizing the socialites and entertainers who, you know, have the money. And if they're smart, they possibly purchasing these things as investments or write-offs, something that they can, Pass down to generations or things of that nature. Hopefully, that's their plan, and are just buying it with the business credit card and writing it off. Um, yeah, because spending a car note on a bag is very expensive. But for those individuals, again, for those individuals that's normal, like stop, like let's not normal normalize this and assume that if a man can't provide you a Birkin, that he's not a man, right? Uh, I think it's unfair that we even have the mindset set to correlate some of the things that these entertainers do uh, with their lives are on. Like, yeah, Gucci and, you know, Louis V and things of that nature has become in a sense more affordable and easy accessible. And now, you know, the game kind of leveled up to the Birkin bags where they spending all this money on Birkin bags. Um, it's crazy. And what's even more asinine, and that that's something that I <laughs> on my Twitter, um, I had said something about her man's. Like so I seen someone make a tweet about Birkin and then I said something about her man, her man's, and they was like, Oh, what the hell is that? And da-da-da. I'm like, you don't even know who make Birkin bags. Like you think that's a <laughs> a whole complete uh, different at that point I knew something wasn't right with this person. And I just left the conversation. So good luck with that individual on getting their Birkin bag um, when they don't even know the people that make them. Which, again, don't try to compete with the Joneses. Don't have these unrealistic values on things that you can't accomplish. And one of the biggest things, uh, I believe, don't expect or ask nobody to buy anything that you can't buy yourself. And I'm a, I'm, I stand on that. Like, I wouldn't ask nobody to buy me a PlayStation 5 if I knew I couldn't afford it, you know, myself. Like, there's other things that I should prioritize over this PlayStation 5 um, in order for me to be able to afford it, right? Uh, so, for me to ask somebody else to buy something for me that I can't buy myself is, is pretty insane as as I think about it so it's like <laughs> if I can't afford it nine times out of ten there's multiple things that I should be investing my money on or spending in you know different places and spaces I should be putting that money at right and then if this person is buying me something that I can't buy myself nine times out of ten I can't reciprocate that energy so everybody just needs to like figure out what's your, what's your lane, what's your space that you would like to be in. 
no, it's all right being able to visualize and see where you're trying to go, but also stay in tune with reality. Because that's just as important as where you're trying to go. Because if you if you skip where you are to to you know to get to where you're going, you'll find yourself um, max maxing out credit cards. You'll find yourself um, in a space where you're always in debt, where you're always focusing on how can I get out of debt. You'll find yourself spending more money in the long term because you skip the reality of where you are to be or to to get to where you're trying to go. That wasn't necessarily a a profitable investment in a sense or the return on that investment isn't coming back faster uh, than you expected or as fast as you needed it to come for you to redeem that purchase, right? Um, so those are things that I always try to be mindful for uh, of as it pertains to, you know, big purchases, um, like a Birkin bag. Like, why you want a Birkin bag and you don't even have a car? Like, why you want a Birkin bag and you are $100,000 in debt for student loans. Like there's different things that you can use that money for that will allow you to buy the things that you want long-term. And not even just for the Birkin bag, it's like for any, uh, you know, high-end or expensive uh, materialistic thing uh, that you feel like you need now and or something that you just really want and you worked your ass off to get. So that's that's great. That's my take on Birkins. I don't know them people. I, I know my budget is, is low. Uh, I, I can't afford no Birkin, so don't come to me talking about Birkin. <laughs> I can't. I got a couple jokes, you know. <laughs> got some jokes for you. Show you a good time. But, yeah, I can't, I can't get you no Birkin. So, yeah, let, let my broke self go ahead and stay over here in my little broke corner. I'll be all right. I'll make that type of money soon. Man. I'm trying to get a Tesla. That, that, money, that money messing up my Tesla money. Ah, another thing that was in the news, man. Ben Carson refuses to wear a mask. So you would think that after after uh, one black Republican died, um, that really wasn't, you know, the huge, you know, there wasn't a lot of African Americans in my community that was a huge fan of uh, McCain. After he died, you know, no one really laughed, but it was a similar thing in a sense of he didn't wear a mask and he was out at events um, during the Trump campaign and he ended up dying. So now we have Ben Carson, which is you know a pretty smart guy um, outside of him being a Republican. If you really do some research on Ben, ben Carson, you'll know like he's a brain like surgeon, like he's smart. Um, and he had COVID, but he still refuses to wear a mask. And his explanation for things are just, it's just weird, man. Like a lot of these Trump supporters, uh, again, I, I think it's a difference between a Trump supporter and a Republican. So I'm not going to blame, I'm not going to generalize the whole Republican Party, but I am going to generalize these Trump supporters because they are, they are off. Um, I, I have no idea how to save these individuals, but Ben Carson is definitely one of them. Um, he, he contribute a lot of, um, McCain's death to, and Herman McCain, by the way, 
uh, death to his pre-existing conditions, uh, him being old and things of that nature. Um, but as you know, studies show that there's many people in America, you know, millions of people in America that's being attacked by this virus and, and individuals are dying. And African-Americans being one of the, the groups that's seeing um, death tolls at a higher rate than other groups. And for you to be a black man, regardless of what political affiliation you have, you have to have some type of responsibility and knowing that everyone isn't a brain surgeon, knowing that everyone doesn't have the resources and finances to get past this virus. And what's so hard about wearing a mask? Like what is hard? I mean, I, you know, I personally, I don't see myself being at a podium by myself wearing a mask trying to speak because in that space, I can take the mask off. I'm socially distanced, uh, distant from everyone. So, you know, that'd be my time to kind of you know, relax a little bit, being able to, um, you know, reveal my mouth and speak to a microphone. Um, but I also make sure that that microphone is Lysol, <laughs> like clean. So it, you know, that's weird, man. Ben, 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 get it together. Um, also found out over the week that the Kenosha shooter was released on a $2 million bond. Ugh. So that is, a lot of money and I'm sure he doesn't have it. So it was raised by someone, some group or some body of individuals. Um, again, it just shows you what money and power does. And instead of complaining about it, I believe that, you know, as an African American and as a group, you know, as blacks, we have to have some, we have to have access to, to money and then we have to be able to back that money into things that we believe in, right? So I'm not going to get upset because this guy happened to find $2 million uh, to make bond for something that we seen him do, but there's individuals that believe that he didn't or he did it in the greater good of their community. And then we have individuals that tend to be arrested for things that we see they can't do, but we're not willing to put the money behind them in order to ensure that they have the same accessibility as this weird guy who did the, the shooting. So, you know, with due time, is more African-Americans making money. Um, in in due time, we'll have you know more disposable income to to fund causes like this in in the future, um, and ensure that we protect in the next generation of leaders that we have in our community. So yeah, um, on a more happier tip, President Obezi. Obama, um, he's currently on his book tour, and he seems just so happy, man. That's that's a good feeling, just seeing black man joy. Uh, we still see, you know, 
how he floats through a crowd with just so much grace and so much poise, um, positive attitude, always smiling, always happy, always asking people for their names, always shaking hands or pounding or elbows, even during a pandemic. Um, and th- the book, The Promised Land, like I'm looking forward to getting this book and actually reading it. I'm going to take my time because there's a lot of books that I have to catch up on. Um, but that's definitely on my list to get. And his tour has been amazing, man. He's been in spaces with some prominent black uh, people and that's in the entertainment business, you know, especially media, of course. So that's been great. Um, I just seen a clip from the Breakfast Club interview that he did. I haven't had time to look at the entire interview, but I plan on looking into that. Uh, that was great to to see where the Breakfast Club has become and has like it became a a staple uh, of the black community in a positive light, not always the negative and all the drama and all of that things, but they you know create spaces for um, a Biden, a Hillary Clinton, and now um, President Barack Obama. So that is dope, and that means something within itself. Um, and, you know, Charlemagne, he's a talented guy, very influential uh, to life, to African-American culture, and that's why people continue to go to him. I'm ready to see his next step of him actually creating his own thing. I believe his own thing will has the ability to be just as great, man. Like what he's what he's doing for radio and 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 media. Like Tyler Perry can make a billion dollars by you know being a woman and creating plays and now owning an entire uh, studio. I can see big things for Charlemagne. Uh, if he just see it within himself. Like, he has some very dope interviews. Very, very dope interviews. And we'll see. We'll see. One day the dog will take off his leash and we can see what Shauna Main, the God, really has in store. Um, so I know everyone watched the Gucci and Jeezy thing in it, and it was a lot of arguments going on. Jeezy is the you know the bigger person. Gucci was childish, and all these different things, and not really knowing the entire story behind the Jeezy versus Gucci beef, which is deeper than you know just rap. Uh, you have a guy that was on a track, put some money on somebody's chain, which you know. In some cases, if you put money on someone's chain, that's a street guy, you might as well just put money on his head because in, in reality, is like a, a rapper of this caliber isn't going to allow somebody to take the chain without a fight. And if guns are involved, it's a possibility that someone's going to die. So Gucci being on the, you know, the, the, the opposing side, uh, the chain, uh, the chain um, bribe, one of Jeezy's artists, in a sense, affiliates, whatever they want to call it, social, I don't know, um, ran into an apartment that Gucci was in uh, w- with 
three to four other individuals and roughing them up a little bit. Boom, boom, boom. Guns got involved. Gucci began shooting, ended up shooting one of the guys and killing him. Uh, from there, he turned himself in shortly after. He was in jail for over a year, fighting for his life. Um, then he finally got free. And that's when, you know, everything just kind of broke loose, right? From there, Gucci has been locked up a couple times for parole violation, mainly because of that case. And now he's a new man. Uh, we did have T.I. versus Gucci, but the last minute, I mean, T.I. versus Jeezy, but in the last minute, they changed it to uh, Jeezy versus Gucci. And that was that. Gucci, being an entertainer that he is and being a person that he is, you know, he just pretty much pumped up the the battle. Like, they had a week to to market it, so he pumped, he did his his part. I looked at it more of a Floyd Mayweather type of, type of approach, um, which is cool. I was telling someone, like, there's, like, in, in this space, it was more of a protagonist and antagonist. No one was really wrong. I think everyone was true to what they believe in, and both, depending on who, who side you're on, there's a truth and there's a a a right <laughs> that people can argue. So it was a good battle. Um, by the end of the battle, there was definitely some tension and disrespect going on. But by the end of the battle, when they performed so icy together, I kind of threw everything else out the door for the simple fact that y'all knew y'all was going to end it like this and that all of this could have possibly been, been scripted. Um, I really can't see them being adults and maneuvering the way they 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 were because it was it was it was it was it was getting there and i you know it reminds me of wwe when each character has a role and both of them you know played it to the best of their ability and then at the end of the day they squash the beef again um and some people still questioning that, like, how could you squash that? Somebody killed your homeboy. You're supposed to kill one of his homeboys. I kill him. And how can you squash a beef with somebody that tried to kill you? Just the typical, you know, stuff that goes on in our community that that makes it hard to break cycles. Um, one of the funniest things that, that happened was, you know, Gucci being flamboyant the way he is. I was talking about jewelry and his outfit. We all know Jeezy. Like, he has a... He's, he's, um, fashion, uh, challenge. Like he doesn't really look like someone that I'll ever in life look to for fashion tips. Um, uh, Gucci has always been, you know, for the most part, especially doing this reincarnated Gucci has been fly. He's always had jewelry. Um, so he was sticking to his strengths, and he said something about having $5 million worth of jewelry and have a $10,000 outfit on, and Jeezy made a comment about real estate, uh, which is funny because everyone kind of bid on it, but I guess they missed the part when Gucci got out and he said he left his wife, uh, believe it was $2 million, and she was flipping it while he was locked up. So when he got out, he, he got out to more money that – than he had when he when he went in and i'm sure both sides have very strong financial advisors 
they kind of get them tips on where to spend their money and allocate their money and land being one of those things. Uh, if anyone read, you know, good dad, rich dad, I mean, um, poor dad, rich dad, and any books like that that talks about financial literacy, real estate is one of the biggest ways to um, to save your money and to reduce your taxes as well. So in that space, you know, it seemed like Gucci got a little loked or whatnot, but then people forgot that Google has, is a powerful form of information and just research. And you can easily just research Gucci man's, you know, net worth and Jeezy's net worth and it shows, um, which is funny. So, and I also just thought it was like a low blow, uh, for, you know, when you when you take shots like that, it get kind of weird. But I looked at more of the ten thousand dollars shooting jewelry. It's just pretty much just joning on how Jeezy dressed. Like he had a leather jersey on, <laughs> for God's sakes, uh, with a with a black mink mink coat. I'm just say fur because I don't know what type of fur it was. But yeah, things of that. And it was like, oh man, I got you know, I own half of Atlanta. And then they had some people that looked up his properties or whatnot. And then they're like, oh, you only own two. But, you know, if you go back, like people don't really don't do their research. You go back um, and it talks about Jeezy saying that he put property in his, his daughter's name, you know, and, and family members name. So they can learn more about investing and learn about money and things of that nature. So that's that's great. And then you also just have the commercial side of it, you know, owning restaurants and things of that nature. Um, that possibly then show up in that individual search. So it's great uh, that they squashed the beef, man. A lot of things, you know, got a lot of people talking um, about stuff other than rap. So the real estate being a thing and then the argument about who won or whatnot. Like the, the verses they are created for people to continue to argue about who won. Because uh, they never, you know, formally say this person won, which is, always have that mystique uh, to it. And if you don't know about Gucci and Jeezy's beef, then a lot of Gucci songs just go over your head. He wasn't the, he wasn't the mega star or the popular artist or the mainstream artist that Jeezy was at one point. Um, especially when he was locked up when, you know, that year that he was locked up fighting for his freedom, that's when Jeezy really, you know, elevated. So when he came out, he was already behind. Um, but Jeezy does a great job of then back then he does, he did a great job of sticking to what he know. Um, Gucci does a, a great job of staying relevant by putting young artists on, getting on young artist tracks, you know, collaborations and, putting them in a different space in a different light where they can continue to grow and shine. So that's why, you know, I really like Gucci. Um, Cause he really has kept it real from the jump. And then Jeezy, just Jeezy. <laughs> so the NBA draft, I'm not going to go too deep on this. Um, it was a very interesting draft to say the least. We didn't really have too many big names. Uh, I'm, I'm happy for the balls. Of course. Uh, LeVar is definitely a dad that deserves props, regardless of how we view him as a person. 
um, and some of his ways and some, you know, his behavior. He's definitely done a great job of ensuring that his three sons um, were set up to win. And they were doing, you know, just that. Within three years, you had two sons and then three sons that made it to some type of NBA. And two of them were the top three picks. So that's that's great, man. I'm interested in seeing what LaMelo does. It's quite funny that he's actually on Jordan's team because we know the comments that LaVar made towards Jordan. But then we also know how Jordan is as it pertains to draft, you know, <laughs> picking in a draft. So I'm just going to hope that Melo isn't one of Jordan's draft busts and he has a great future ahead. Again, I told you I wasn't going to go into the NBA draft too much. Um, I'm just looking forward to see what LaMelo do with the Hornets, a.k.a. the Bobcats. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, another thing while we're on NBA. So over the last couple of weeks, we've really been going over. Uh, we've been learning that Harden wanted to leave. Russell Westbrook want to leave. Just all these different people want to leave the Houston program. And we thought that it was because they were beefing, but it came out um, last week that they wanted to leave because their owner has donated $100,000 or more uh, to the Trump's campaign. And he's been doing that. And when they found that information out as, you know, black men, um, that doesn't agree with the political views or the personal views of our current uh, administration. They felt some type of way, it rubbed them some type of way. And that's the real reason that they, you know, that, I won't say the real reason, but that's one of the reasons why they wanted to part ways with that organization. Um, it's great that this information came out because it was easier to say, oh, Westbrook, is just a horrible teammate to have and no one can play with him or, you know, vice versa for Harden. So it's great that we have this perspective. So now it's like y'all on the clock. So what y'all going to do? Uh, are y'all going to stay there? Are y'all going to leave? Is he going to grant an apology? Like what does that look like moving forward? And the last thing on what's popping, because I've been seeing this and it's been very annoying. People really don't like Kevin Hart. Um, Black Lives Matter unless you're Kevin Hart I'm assuming so he recently um, launched a new series I believe I haven't had time to watch everything I watched a couple seconds uh, probably a couple you know it was longer than that uh, a couple minutes of one of the episodes are part of this series that he had in his basement invited some people out so he can do stand up which was very creative during this time. And um, I was laughing. It was funny. Like, I wasn't rolling and all on the floor with it, but it was quite funny. Like, it's hard for me to believe that anyone sat right there, watched the whole thing, and didn't laugh not once. Right? I feel like people give Kev so much shit because of the amount of success that he was able to accomplish. Um. We don't like winners. Drake said it best. We like people when they're going to the journey of being successful. But once they get there, we do not like them at all. And a black, the black community has to do a better job of not 
crucifying the you know when we make it like that's real crab in a bucket type mentality like if you don't like it just don't like it like it's not that hard why we got a tweet post about i dislike about this and then there's certain people that come into the mind state like, I'm, I'm the person like you know look at it and you let me know what you think i'm not gonna already mess up the perception of other people just because i didn't like it for whatever reason i didn't like it and then you ask people why they don't like it. Oh, I just don't like him because he cheated on his wife and he did this. And I'm like, what? That, what they got to do with these jokes that you got? Some of the jokes was funny. Some of the jokes not funny. You're not going to laugh at every joke. I mean, it's comedy. And then this is, a, this is a different space of comedy because you can't tell the jokes that you could have told back then when Rick Fox and Richard Pryor and Eddie Murphy, like, as as it developed, Martin Lawrence, when it was developing within the 90s, you know, Dave Chappelle, he's still kind of edgy with it as well. But everyone learned how to adapt to this new uh, sensitivity as it pertains to the society. So it's like a lot of things we can't talk about. And as Kevin Hart continues to grow, you know, he has rich people issues. So the things that he talks about now, he's trying to correlate that to the everyday person. Um which is, you know, which is important. I think he does a great job at that. So I'm, you know, when I look at all of, <laughs> when I look at all the Kevin Hart stand up uh, that's on Netflix, again, I don't know if it's a series or just a movie. Uh, I make sure that I follow back and tap back into that and let y'all know. Again, if it's something that I missed on what's popping, make sure that y'all hit me up on Twitter and Instagram at LDMonger1. Um, if I have any comments, concerns, or you want to feature on the show, or if you want a sponsorship, whatever, make sure you hit me up at contact at ldmonger.com. So now, let's talk about Houston. I've been in Houston for the minute, but I'm back in town. Ooh, child. <laughs> uh, that's my song. Every time I make it to Houston, I play that. I really love it, man. I really love Houston. Um, my first time going was in like 2014, I believe, with my dog Cecil. And um, I loved it. I fell in love with it. I knew that once I graduated, like, of course I did. I knew that when I graduated, I wanted to move to Houston. Um, I had a girlfriend at the time, and I was going to move move to Houston first. I graduated before her, so I was going to go down there. Um get my life together, get situated. And then once she graduate, you know, she moved down. Um, both of those things didn't happen. <laughs> uh, but I, I have been to Houston at least two times a year, uh, excluding one year. I believe I didn't go last year for the last six years. So that's been, that's been great, man. I really love Houston. The food is amazing. Um, the women are amazing and thick. Oh, my God. All the women are thick. Ooh. The cashier, the police officer, the firefighter, the teacher, the professor, uh, the, 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 the banker. Like, man, everybody thick. Oh, God. Um, but it's, it's, it's very, it's very eye-opening to see black culture um, at its finest. Like Atlanta, we got Atlanta, but then Houston is just, it's Houston's. You still have that that Texas uh, feel and that Texas vibe. Like, 
I remember I was driving around seeing a guy with some some cowboy boots and a hat out of nowhere. I remember one visit, uh, I just seen guys just riding horses out of nowhere in the street, like downtown. Like that was just the thing to do. Uh, so it's amazing being able to see um, us flourish in those spaces. You know, the black lawyers, the black doctors, the black dentists, and they just outside, you know, being social. It's great, man. We do things different. Um, so I was down there this time for uh, my bro's graduation, and which got canceled. He's getting his JD from the, you know, Texas, um, Texas State, then te- Texas Southern. Uh, university from the third good Marshall uh, College of Law, which is great. You know, I'm proud of him. We was there two years ago, then three years ago when he got his master's in public affairs uh, from TXSU. <laughs> and it was lit. We had fun. Uh, we had fun. Yeah. Not going to go into too many details, but I was late for his graduation. Uh, we woke up. In front of our hotel, thank God, last thing I really remember was we pulled up to his apartment. I was like, hey, man, put your suit in the car uh, just in case. Like, I ain't know where we was going. That's the only thing I remember. And then we woke up, him and I woke up in a five-minute parking at a hotel, the Omni Hotel that we were at. And Sisu went upstairs. Apparently, he was driving. He went upstairs and left us in the car. So we waking up. He left the keys in the car too, thank God. So we wake up. I'm like, hey, man, just take the whip, you know, because I had a rental. I was just like, take the whip. You make it. You got to make it to your graduation, and we'll Uber. So we end up Ubering and got there right on time. As we were walking in, uh, he was actually preparing to walk. So crazy how that worked. All of us lit. Yeah, lesson learned. Um, so this go around, they actually canceled the graduation last minute and made it virtual. So it is what it is. Uh, we still enjoyed ourselves. Uh, went to a couple restaurants. I was trying to be as, you know, responsible as possible with my, the outings that I, you know, I wanted to go to. So if it really wasn't like food and sitting down, you know, sitting area, I, I wasn't too in, into trying to go. We did go to a strip club. And it was just very uncomfortable for me. I had my mask on, so I'm probably, I'm sure I made somebody else uncomfortable because I had my mask on doing the right thing. Uh, staying away from people, I was real, like, standoffish for the most part. Because, uh, again, we are in a pandemic. And I stay in Florida, and we know what Texas is doing. It's like Texas and Florida is at a battle right now of who don't care the most. And it's it's crazy how some of uh, <laughs> the Republican ways <laughs> – find his way in the African-American community um, in these particular states, like in the, in the red states and how, like what's really going on. Right. So that was funny. So one thing I really experienced um, with being in Houston is that the stunners, man, like in St. Louis, probably cause you'll get robbed. Um, but folks don't be wearing jewelry like this, man. Like, maybe because Houston, like, they don't really trip or try to rob nobody because they're like, yeah, man, nine times ten, your stuff fake, so it ain't even no use of doing that. And it's just, like, their culture, like, just wearing jewelry um, is big. 
opposed to St. Louis or even in like Orlando. You know, I stay in Orlando now, like even in Orlando. So it was, it was just mind blowing. Everybody had a chain on. I was like, dad, um, everyone, you know, price of living is a little cheaper in Houston. And then they don't have taxes either, uh, state taxes either. So, you, you know, price of living, wages are a little high. You can, you can maneuver a little better, right? And then um, in this particular, you know, scenario, I've seen that people with professional jobs, with like real good-ass jobs, they, they want the life of the drug dealers and the rappers. So they in the club by the drug dealers and rappers <laughs> uh, living just like they do. So they might have on the chains. They might have, the you know, be around the girls that's on the flyers or, you know, the bottle girls. Like, they know all these people, which is is unique because a lot of times we see people that make it and they're removing themselves from those spaces. So to see people um, that make it as successful within their particular field and still be in those social spaces, uh, it was interesting. It was very interesting. And you can tell that they had it. They, they lived different. They were able to buy, you know, three, four or five bottles consistently. Like every time they was out, like there was a thing. Uh, and they had a tight group of individuals that they do this with, which was, you know, again, amazing. Um, I was at one place, Camp. And I was there. I'm chilling. And then I noticed Zach Randolph. He just there. Like him and a couple guys. He um hitting the hookah or whatnot, chilling, you know, drinking. Like, no one is rushing to him, asking for an autograph. It's like, oh, this is spot. He come there. And um, when we were leaving, let's rewind. So I actually saw one of my friends uh, from Missouri, from college, undergrad. Uh, she was there, and she inboxed me on Twitter. She like, Lavelle, are you in Houston? I'm like, yeah, how you know? And she's like, I think I just saw you. So she was in the club. So I had to like retract my steps and then bumped into a girl who really, you know, caught up or whatnot. So it was just great seeing people from Missouri just happen to be um, in Houston this random weekend. And it's crazy. And then I also seen my boy, uh, Ace Bug, Mr. Nobody. He was in Houston. He was like, man, what you doing? I'm like, man, I'm with D Nick. And it was like, hey, like, man, I wish I would have known. I would have, you know, picks my days different. So St. Louis is is definitely in Dallas and in Houston. Like, it's hard meeting someone uh, from St. Louis that don't know each other, especially if they are in Texas. Um, Randomly bumped into them. But now to go back, when we were leaving, um, I seen this Lamborghini truck pull up. I'm like, damn, I ain't really trip off of it. And then when they got out, it was PJ Tucker and James Harden. Like, they got out the whip. I'm like, dang, they just walking like, da-da-da-da-da, <laughs> walking into the club. So it's just crazy, you know, being in spaces where individuals of that caliber just step out as well, um, which is something that we don't have in St. Louis and something that I don't see a lot of in – uh, Orlando, because we only really have the Orlando Magic. It's not like we have, you know, a football team um, here or a baseball team. Most of the sports here are predominantly white-led sports, right? If that. Um, so we have a soccer team, 
that pretty much runs the um the city. And then we have the Orlando Magic. You know, in Houston you got the Asteroids, um, you have the Texans, you have the Rockets, and you have many more, because Dallas not too far. So you have people that just travel, and then you have the you know, the rap artists um that's there as well. You got Rap a lot, uh, legendary uh record label. Uh, you got Jay Prince and Jay Prince Jr. that's kind of over that. And then they branching off and creating these small groups, uh, which is, you know, it's pretty dope, man. So shout out to Houston. I love it, man. I love it. The food is great. Oh, man, I ate so much food. Uh, finally went to Turkey Leg Hut. It was great. Went to Candy Daiquiri. It was great again. I uh, went there before, and then this time I had to switch it up. So they have the sweet option. Then they got, like, this dessert sweet type option, right? So. <laughs> I wanted to try both uh, this time, and it felt good. Galleria, forever love that mall. Can't wait till I get my coins up so I can really enjoy that mall. Uh, if you want to feel broke and and you and you you pimping on a budget, just go to the Galleria. It'll make you feel that way real fast. Want to meet man? Almost maybe going to Louis V store. And like, yeah, I just want a bag. That's all. Not a Louis bag. I'm talking about the bag that you shop with. You know. <laughs> Yeah, them things be looking nice though, man. Just you know, the decor around the crib. But yeah, man, Houston was was great, man. I was able to chill, with my bro. Congratulations. Um, his bar exam scores come in in a couple weeks. Looking forward to see how that turns out. Uh, I miss my dog Da Vinci already. Da Vinci the Frenchie. Uh, D Nick continue to live, continue to prosper. Uh, so, you know, stack price, stay out the way and nothing but great things, um, are bound to happen. Right. So I ain't had nothing prepared this time, man. Y'all know I like to leave y'all on some inspirational type stuff. Um, hmm. I did have this Chinese proverb in my brain. I think it was something like, uh, if you talk to me, I might listen. If you teach me, I might remember. If you include me, and that's the part, that's the part I'm stuck at. But to paraphrase, I know for sure it said in a sense of if you include me, I'll take ownership of it, right? Um, I really buy in to whatever we want to do, whatever we discuss. Um, which which it makes sense. Like you talk to people, you give them an option to listen. You teach someone, they might remember it. But having that buy-in is what creates um, lifestyle change, culture change, behavioral changes, elevation, true elevation, because it becomes the responsible the responsibility of the person opposed to the responsibility of the instructor. Thank you, thank you, thank you for listening. Join me in my journey to success by following on Twitter and Instagram at LDMonger1. If you have any comments, questions, or concerns you would like me to address on the next episode, email me at contact at LDMonger.com. Vail's World can be heard on Anchor, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and many more. 
Again, thank you for listening, and don't forget to subscribe. Until next time. It's the team.